0: Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for revealing yourself to us through your Son. We pray now that by your Holy Spirit you would help us to know you better. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, whenever I share the Gospel with a non Christian, there is one question that they inevitably ask Is Jesus God? The question comes because we say that Jesus is the perfect man who died upon the cross for our sins. And yet we also say that Jesus was the Son of God and we must follow him as our Lord. And so the question inevitably comes, is Jesus God? Should I follow Jesus or should I follow God? Should I pray to Jesus or should I pray to God or or should I pray to the Holy Spirit for, for that matter? Are there three gods, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Or is there only one God? And these are all questions about the Trinity. I wonder if you were asked them whether you would know how to answer them. Well, today is Trinity Sunday. It's the time of the year when we stop and consider what it means that God is Trinity, three persons, but one God. And a great place for us to learn about the Trinity is John chapter 14, our gospel reading this morning. Well, the first point this morning is that the Son is the only way to the Father. The Son is the only way to the Father. In John 14, verse 1, Jesus makes a divine claim. Look at verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, with that statement, Jesus makes himself equal with God. Now, if Jesus was not God to to command us to believe in him in the same way we believe in God, well, that would be blasphemous, wouldn't it? God doesn't share his glory with other people. But, verse 2, we see yet another divine claim. Verse 2, Jesus says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Notice in those verses, Jesus calls God his Father. And that also is a claim to divinity. Uh, back in John chapter 6, verse 18, we read this. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. See, uh, heaven is, is God's house. God is the one who rules heaven. God is the one who decides who goes to heaven. But here Jesus claims that heaven is his Father's house and he can reserve a place in heaven for us. He will come and bring us there. It's a divine claim. Now, Jesus' divinity is emphasised all throughout John's Gospel. The Gospel begins, of course, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Gospel will end with Thomas declaring to the risen Jesus, You are my Lord and my God. And throughout the Gospel, Jesus will use God's divine name, uh, I Am, He will say in chapter 8, verse 58, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. All these are divine claims. We should be in no doubt. Jesus is the eternal son of God. He is God in human flesh. And that means that Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Look at verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, notice Jesus doesn't say here that he is one way to the Father, you know, one of many possible alternatives. He says, I am the way, I am the only way to have a relationship with the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's saying, if you want to go to heaven, if you, if you want to know God truly, if you want to receive eternal life, there's only one way, and that is through him, not through another religion, not through your own good works. Only through Jesus. Now, why is that? Why is only Jesus the way, the truth, and the life? Well, it's because only Jesus is fully God and fully man. Because only Jesus is God in human flesh, only Jesus is fully qualified to offer that perfect sacrifice for us on the cross. If he's only a man, he can only die for one person. And if he's only God, then he can't represent us. He can't die in our place. But Jesus is fully God and he's fully men, so he's fully qualified to die for us on the cross and therefore only Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Only Jesus can make us God known to us. Only Jesus can give us eternal life. Only Jesus can bring us to heaven with the Father. Now, the implications of all this are massive, aren't they? Without faith in Jesus, people will be eternally lost. We must believe Jesus is God, because it's only through him we can be saved and have a relationship with God the Father. I find often at funerals people uh, tend to speak in very fuzzy terms. He's in a better place. Her suffering is over. And people will say those kind of things, even if they're not Christians. They might say, look, he was so sincere. She was so religious. He did so many good things. And all those statements may be true of the person. They may have indeed been very sincere and religious and and done many good things. But Jesus says only he is the divine Son of God. And so only he can bring us to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through him. We must believe not only in God, we must believe in him if we are to be having a place in heaven with God. Point one, the Son is the only way to the Father. Well, point two, we see that the Son is the only way to know the Father. The Son is the only way to know the Father. Uh, If you've ever seen my children, you'll know that they are the splitting image of me. Much to my wife's frustration, a complete stranger can look at my children and know that I am the Father. In verse 7, Jesus explains that it's just like that with him and the Father. Knowing Jesus, verse 7 means knowing the Father. Seeing Jesus means seeing the Father. Jesus, the Son, Perfectly reveals the Father. Uh, verse 8, Jesus uh, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? You see what Jesus is saying there. If we want to know God, we need to look at Jesus. that Jesus' words are the Father's words. Jesus' works are the Father's works. Jesus' character is the Father's character. Jesus' glory was the Father's glory. And so as you see Jesus, and only as you see Jesus, you see God. Many people believe in a God. But the true God, to the God who made and rules this universe, he has chosen to reveal himself in his son, Jesus Christ, so that it's only through him that we can know the Father. John chapter 1 verse 18 we read, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. We, 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 can't, we can't see God. We can't know him apart from God coming into this world in the person of Jesus and revealing himself. So if we want to know God, we must look at Jesus. Jesus alone is God in human and flesh. Jesus alone has come from heaven to make God known. So much of religion is about people thinking about what they, uh, they want God to be like. People construct God in the image of man. They they make a God that they like to believe in. But Christians believe God came down. God entered our world. We don't need to search for him, and we certainly don't make him up. He has made himself known. So how can I know that God exists if I can't see him? Look at Jesus. How can I know what God is like? Look at Jesus. How can I have a relationship with God the Father? Come to Jesus. And can I know God apart from Jesus? No, I cannot. See, God is not the God that I hope he will be, or who I want him to be, or who I'm told that he is. God is who he has revealed himself to be. And he has revealed himself in his son, Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus goes on in verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Now, when a woman becomes pregnant, she is, she's indwelt With the baby, that the baby is in the mother's womb, so that where the baby where the mother goes, uh, the baby goes as well. The baby eats what the mother eats, and so on. Whatever the mother does, the baby does too. And here we see something even more amazing with God. We see the idea of mutual indwelling. The Father is in the Son, but the Son is also in the Father as well. The Father and the Son, you see, not just united in words and in actions. They are united in their very being so that as the Son speaks, the Father is doing his works. As Jesus performs signs, you see the Father's glory. As Jesus carries out his Father's will, you see the Father's work. And, 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 And it is this idea of mutual indwelling which means that Christians believe in in one God, but three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, three distinct persons, but only one God. Because the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're so intimately related to one another in this relationship of mutual indwelling. As they share the divine essence, they are three distinct persons but perfectly united as one God. And what what all this means is that the Father, he reveals himself through the Son, he's known through the Son, he is glorified through the Son. The Father and the Son are linked in this unique and intimate way. Now we don't have time to talk about the greater works of verse 12. Uh, Those greater works, I think, are about bringing people from spiritual death to spiritual life through the gospel. It's not so much about uh, healings or these kind of things. You can look at John chapter 5, verses 20 to 21, if you want to confirm that. What I want to focus on here is the other person-centered nature of the Trinity. Here we see how the Son glorifies the Father. And the Father is glorified in the Son. And the Spirit is glorified as he brings people to the Father through the Son. Look at what Jesus says in verse 13. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. It's a remarkable verse, isn't it? As we pray to the Father, Jesus answers our prayers. And we're told he does that. For the glory of his Father. The Father is glorified in the Son. Uh, A few weeks ago, we saw the same theme in John chapter 17. Remember, John chapter 17, verse 1. Jesus prayed, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. In these verses and others, we see the other person centered nature of the Trinity. The Father, loves the Son and and seeks to glorify him and exalt him. And the Son loves the Father and seeks to glorify him and obey his will so that as Jesus is glorified as our Saviour and King, the Father who sent him is is glorified as well. And and so the way that, that we glorify the Father is by serving the Son. And as we glorify Jesus, we also glorify the Father who sent him Now, all this is why uh, John can say in in 1 John 4, verse 10, that God is love. It is because for all eternity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they have existed in this perfect, loving relationship, this other-person-centered love. God is love. And and what that means is if we truly know the Trinitarian God, then we will live in love like God does. We will be other person-centered. We will reflect his image. Remember what John writes in 1 John 14? Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. If we know God, the God who is love, we will not live for self and we will not live for stuff. We will live to serve Because that is what the triune God is like. Father, Son, and Spirit, they love and serve one another in eternity in this relationship of mutual indwelling. So, if you know God, it's worth asking this morning does it show in your life? How are you being other person centered as a spouse, as a parent, as a worker, as a neighbor, as a congregation member, as a citizen? Worth reflecting this week. How does your knowledge of the God who is love show in your life? Well, so far we've focused mainly on this Father and the Son. We've seen that the Son is divine. He reveals the Father. He glorifies the Father. He's the only way to the Father. Now in verses 15 and 26, let us focus our attention on the Holy Spirit. And we must understand that, that not only is the Son divine, but the Holy Spirit is divine too. Uh, uh, last week, uh, Bishop uh, uh, Andrew Pung mentioned that sometimes people talk about the Holy Spirit as an it, as if it was some impersonal power, You know, maybe a little bit like Star Wars, I guess. May the force be with you. Uh, and he explained so well that the, the Holy Spirit's not a force. He is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity. And that's why in this uh, passage, John 14, the Holy Spirit is called He and not it. I look at verse 15. Uh, if you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you. And will be in you We're told in verse 17 we will know the spirit but you cannot know an it can you I mean you cannot have a personal relationship with a spoon or with a clock or with a car and sometimes you wonder people do try to have relationships with their cars don't they but you but you can know the spirit can't you the spirit is a person and throughout the scriptures he's described in personal, Terms. In verse 26, we'll read that the Spirit teaches the disciples. elsewhere, the Spirit gives gifts to His people. The Spirit has emotions. He can be grieved. The Spirit can be lied to. All those things are only things that a person can do. The Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Trinity. And in this passage, we also see what the Holy Spirit does. Verse 16 says, He proceeds from the Father. And the Son, Uh, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Now Notice how in this uh, verse 16, even though the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, they're, they're all equally divine. There is still an ordering in the Trinity. The Father sends the Son. The Son glorifies the Father. The Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. See, Father, Son, and Spirit, they're all equal in status. They're all equally divine, but they are different persons with different roles. And the role of the Spirit here is to be our helper, to be our advocate, to to, to dwell within us. Uh, Verse 18, uh, we read, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. We were reminded last week that uh, we don't walk alone. The Holy Spirit lives within us. He he changes our hearts. He he gives us faith. He, He transforms our lives. And here is another wonderful promise. As Christians, we're not abandoned by our Heavenly Father. We're not orphans. We're not abandoned by His Son as He ascends to heaven. The Father and the Son come to dwell in us by the Holy Spirit. Look at the end of verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to Him and make our home with Him. Now that again is another remarkable thought, isn't it? In the Old Testament, God dwelt in the temple and he was so glorious that no one could approach his glorious presence. But here we're told, if we are Christians, then God the Father and God the Son, they dwell in us. They've taken up residence in our heart by the Holy Spirit. And that means, of course, that we we cannot be any closer to God than we are right now. Now, Sometimes we might feel far from God when we sin or when we're going through a time of suffering, but but in reality, we're we're not far from God. If we are a Christian, the holy God, the, the triune God, he dwells in our hearts. He couldn't be any closer to us. He will never leave us or forsake us, no matter what. In fact, verse 20 tells us that, that we can experience that, that same union with Christ that, that he experiences with his Father. Verse 20, in that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Such is our intimacy with God. Through the Holy Spirit, we are united with Jesus, and so we are also united with the Father as well we too experience that that mutual indwelling. And the Spirit achieves all this through God's Word. Verse 17 says he's the Spirit of truth. Verse 26 says he, he brings to remembrance all that Jesus says. The Spirit works through the Word of God, pointing us to Jesus, bringing us to faith in Jesus, so that as we come to Jesus and believe in him, we come to know the Father. And we are united to him by faith. Well, I know we've uh, covered quite a lot of ground there. And the Trinity is never easy to get our minds around. But let's just sum up what we've seen here. We've seen that the God of the Bible is triune. He's one God in three persons. And we've seen that God the Father is God. God the Son is God. And God the Holy Spirit is God. And yet there are not three gods. There's only one God. For these three mutually indwell one another in this perfect, loving relationship. And we've seen today that that we can experience the same kind of close, intimate, personal relationship with the triune God as the Father and Son dwell in us by the Holy Spirit. I think this is where Christianity is so different from every other religion. Not just in the belief in a triune God but in the character of that God. See, in every other religion, God is distant and God is fearful. He's not someone that you have a a personal relationship with, like like a loving father. He's someone you try to appease. He's someone you try to not get on his bad side, not to get angry. But in Christianity, we call God Father. We know that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us, We know that the Holy Spirit dwells in our heart and indeed the Father and the Son have come to dwell in our heart by the Spirit. We know the Spirit is changing us from within so that we truly love God and experience that close, personal, intimate, loving relationship that the Father, Son and Spirit have enjoyed for all eternity. The God of the Bible is personal. And we can have a personal relationship with him. We can know the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. Now, I think the fact that God is triune, three persons in eternal relationship, it it reminds us that relationships is what life is all about. Life is not about stuff. Life is not about success. Life is not about just getting jobs done. Life is about loving relationship. And so this theology, this uh, knowledge of the triune God, it's, it's immensely practical. If we've truly understood the nature of God, the triune nature of God, we will prize relationships in our life. We will prize our relationships with him, our relationships with one another, we will seek to live in other person-centred love. It's immensely practical. So we've seen that there is one God, three persons. So we've also seen that those three persons have three different roles. Uh, they're all equally God, but they have different roles to play. Says as people made in God's image, we see that same kind of uh, unity and diversity in our human relationships. We're all equally human. We're all equally valued to God. Um, but God has made us male and female and he's given us different roles to play. Uh, we see that expressed in marriage, don't we? The, the husband is to lead and lay down his life for his wife. The, the wife is to honour and submit to the husband as, as the head. They're both equally married. They're both equally valuable. But they have these different roles to play. And we see it expressed in the church as well. We're we're all one body in Christ. But we're very diverse, aren't we? Different races, different languages, different ages, different gifts. We're equally valuable. We're equally important. But we're all different. And we've all got different roles to play. And so as we grasp this knowledge of the trying in God, who is one God in three persons, then we will learn to reflect his nature in, in how we live, as we embrace our different roles as men and women, and as we use our different gifts to love and serve one another. Well, as we conclude, let me ask this question. Do you know this God do you know this God who is Trinity because he is the only true God and if you do if by the spirit you have believed in the son and have come to know the father then you can look forward to an eternity in the father's house in heaven itself with the father with Christ with the Holy Spirit. In eternal glory, we will know we will know Him. We will love Him forever. We will share in His love. And if this morning you're tuning in and you have not yet believed in Christ, then understand this: there is no other way to salvation than to believe in the Christian God, the Triune God. Is Jesus God? Yes, he is, and it is absolutely essential that you come to believe that and live in the light of it. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus is the only way to know the Father. And it's only by the Spirit's work that we will ever come to recognize Jesus as our Lord and God as our Father and so be be saved. And so will you believe in God and believe also in Jesus by the Holy Spirit? Will you believe in the triune God? Let's pray. We praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can have a relationship with you through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he took on human flesh, dying on the cross, so that we might have a place in your house in heaven. We thank you that you've poured out your Spirit upon us, that we we may indeed recognise you as our Lord, and that we may recognise God as our Father. Father, by your Spirit, would you help us to know you better, Help us to love you. Help us to serve your Son and so glorify you. And Lord, help us to show our love for you in how we treat other people. Help us to be other person-centered, to be full of love like you are, to use our varied gifts, our various roles for the good of others. And so we pray, Heavenly Father, that we would bring glory to you as we serve your Son by the Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.